starting in verse 15. This is where we were last week. He says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. See, if we have, if we have a worldview that is, that is viewing the world with, and when I say world, when the Bible's speaking of world, I'm not talking, again, we're not talking about the planet itself. And, and we're not even talking about the people. We're talking about the world system. We're talking about the world system that is against God. Satan is the God of this world. And, and he's influenced the world. And he's ruling in this world to, to lead the people of this world. To follow the system that he has established to, uh, to, to go against God. To oppose God and everything that God is, is trying to do in this world. But I'm glad to know that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. And uh, so uh, we, we're to love not the world. Don't love the world system. Don't love the way of this world. Don't love the course of this world. Now, we do love the people, but we don't participate in all the things that everybody does because that's the way of the world. So we, we love not the world. We talked last week about, about how our, our worldview is affected by our love, uh, and, and our love is affected by our worldview. Uh, these these are uh, in, influence one another. Uh, the Bible says in the book of James, "Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship with the world is enmity with God?" It, it, if we're friends with the world, we're an enemy of God. Now we should follow the example of Jesus and be a friend to the world. Uh, we, should, we should love the world and be a friend to the world. We should be a, a Christ-like example to the world. We should show them love, show them grace, show them kindness, but show them through our example a life of holiness and, and righteousness. Show them the change that Jesus Christ is making in us. Not the, not the, the judgmental, hateful spirit of religion looking down our noses at them, but rather... Being a friend to them as, as Jesus, uh, as Jesus was, was criticized for being a friend of publicans and sinners. But you can be a friend of the world and not be friends with the world. Participating in all that they're doing. Going according to the course of this world. Following after the passions and the desires of this world. That doesn't mean that we, live, that we live stiff, rigid, and boring lives. No, I tell you, as believers, we have more reason to have, have a good time than anybody, right? Because this world is not our home. Hey, we're just, in, we're just enjoying this. And we do enjoy it because we've got Jesus with us. We've got the Holy Spirit working in us to produce the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? Hey, even on a Sunday when you have to set the clocks ahead, right? Uh, so the joy of the Lord is our strength, and we're excited about going to church. We're excited to gather with God's people. We're excited to be encouraged in the Lord. Hey, but if we're friends with the world, the Bible says we've aligned ourselves as an enemy of God. It's sad when his son is aligning himself as his enemy. Hey, let's not, let's not be guilty of that. The Bible says... Uh, it goes on and says, whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Uh, in, your, in your notes, the verse I have right before James 4, 4, 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Be not unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? It can't. They can't, they can't, they can't uh, work together. What communion hath light with darkness? When the light comes in, the darkness has to go. Have you ever noticed that 
that uh, it seems that the more you're walking with God, when you get around those who are unbelievers, they, they get uncomfortable. You don't even have to say anything. You don't even have to whip out your Bible and, and begin quoting Bible verses to them. They begin to get uncomfortable. And they begin to distance themselves from you. And, 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 then, and then you might hear that they've said that, you, that you're judgmental. When you haven't said anything. You didn't give them, you didn't give them one of those you know, looks, those judgmental looks or anything. I mean, you might have been just as, just as kind and sweet as ever. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit in you, the change that Jesus is making in you, shined the light in their darkness. And it showed them their sin. And they're uncomfortable with that. And so don't, don't get upset and discouraged whenever, whenever, the, whenever our friends and, and all the, who, are, who are out there in the world, that they distance themselves from you. You just continue to love them. You continue to reach out to them. You continue to show them the love of Christ and endeavor to, to win them to Jesus Christ. Paul said in Galatians, do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to, to please men? He said, if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. If our desire is to please men, if our desire is to, is to make everybody happy, if our desire is to, is to make everybody feel good about themselves, you know, that's, that's kind of the way that, that so many in, the churches, in our churches today, have, have, that's the approach that they've adopted. You know, we want to please everybody. We want to make everybody happy. And, and let's not say too much about this sin stuff because that makes people feel uncomfortable. And if you say too much about how you disagree with them and show how the Bible shows, says that they're wrong, that might make them feel uncomfortable. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather be, if, if I was in sin, I should hope that somebody would care enough about me to make me feel uncomfortable about my belief and about the course that I was going so that I could hear the gospel and have an opportunity to trust Jesus as my Savior. Because I'd rather feel a little uncomfortable here on earth and trust Christ as my Savior and have eternity with Him. Than to sail through this life with, with, you know, on a bed of roses and have nothing to upset my apple cart. And then go to hell and spend eternity separated from God in suffering. I'd rather somebody care enough about me to show me that I'm wrong. So let's care enough. To lovingly and, and mercifully, graciously show the truth of the word of God. And, and endeavor to win them to Jesus Christ. We're not seeking to please men, but God. Colossians says, if you then be risen with Christ. If you're, if you're really saved. If you, are, uh, if, if you have the... Have the that same power that raised Jesus from the dead living in you. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, uh, where, the, uh, where uh, Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things of the earth. Our love is affected by our worldview, and our worldview is affected by what we love. That, that brings us to our next point. The things that we, the things that we love... We're going to be drawn to. And, and it's, going to, it's going to lead to what we desire. So secondly, we look at our desires. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Now, 
as we, as we look at this, we need to understand that the word lust here, it doesn't just mean immoral uh, thoughts about somebody else. Many times we think of lust as, as a man uh, looking, uh, looking with immoral thoughts on a woman or, or vice versa. That's not the only thing that lust is. Lust is a desire or craving, a longing, especially for what is forbidden. Something that God has not provided, maybe something that God has said no and has not has 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 prohibited uh, maybe it's something that God has prohibited you from from having or for, for from partaking in hey men that means that means somebody other than your wife ladies that means somebody other than your husband hey we shouldn't we shouldn't have those desires but here but uh, but it's again it's not just those kind of desires the Bible says lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. See, the lust of the flesh, that's the desire, uh, that, that's the, um, that's the desire uh, to, to do. That's the desire to do some things that God has, has said, don't do that. Those, those activities that, that pleases the flesh, that satisfies the flesh... But, but God says, no, that's sin. Don't do that. Those are, those are the lusts of the flesh. Then there's the lust of the eyes. That's the desire to have. To have those things that God has said no about. And then the pride of life. That is the desire to be something that God has not said for you to be. Pride is... is self-confidence it's being lifted up in in yourself and and thinking more of yourself as the bible says more highly of yourself than you ought to think we go back to the garden of eden and we see how satan uh, as as the serpent came came against uh, man uh, with with these same temptations the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life he's he he approached him with with he said he said Hath God said that you can have all, uh, eat from all the trees of the garden? And the woman said, no. God has said we can eat of all the trees of the garden except for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God said, don't eat it, neither shall we touch it lest we die. Satan planted a little bit of a, little of a question there in her mind. And, and did God say you can have any of this? That you can have whatever you want? He's, he's, he's playing on, uh, he's tempting her with the lust of the flesh. You can have whatever you want, uh, uh, you, can, you, can, uh, you can do, you can go and you can take, you can partake of whatever you want, the lust of the, the eyes, that, to have whatever you want, and the pride of life. Hey, God knows that in the day you eat thereof, you're going to be as God's. Well, if you rewind a little bit further in history to when, to when uh, Satan was, was known as Lucifer, he was an angel in heaven. And, and the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, how art, thou, how, th how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? And, and Lucifer had, had been, had been it, it seems that he was, that he was perhaps, uh, there's, there's speculation and, and through seeing some verses, uh, people believe that perhaps he was even like the worship leader in heaven. Now his name means light bearer. Or glory bearer. 
But he reached a point where he no longer wanted to bear the glory of God, but rather he wanted to share the glory of God. And God says his glory he will not share with any. Lucifer said, I will exalt my throne. I will be like the Most High. And in his pride, he rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven. And Satan came to man and and brought those same desires, brought that same temptation to be like God. He said, God's just withholding something from you. See how good it looks? Imagine how good it would be to have that. And you could be like God. He comes against us with those same temptations today. The lust of the flesh. The desire to do things. What is it that, what is it that, that you have enjoyed doing uh, as, as living in the world? But you know that God says don't do that. It's satisfying your flesh. It, it feels good. There's this, this idea, you know, if it feels good, do it. But that's not, that's not what the Bible says. You know, just because you can doesn't necessarily mean you should. It doesn't mean that it's okay just because it's legal to do it. Right? The Bible teaches us principles by which we should live. We're to abstain from the very appearance of evil. Just because I want to, just because I can, just because it's legal, doesn't mean that I should. What I need to do is I need to, I need to look at each situation through the lens of Scripture and see, and see what does Scripture teach that I should do. The Bible tells us over, hold your place there in, in, John, in 1 John chapter 2, and let's turn over to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs, it's in the Old Testament. If you look at, at right about the middle of your, of your Bible, you'll probably, if you open your Bible to about the middle, you'll probably be somewhere around Psalms. And just after Psalms is the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 2, we want to read, I want to read a, a couple of verses here. The book of Proverbs was written, it tells us in the first, in the first chapter, was written to teach wisdom and to help us to learn understanding. In, in chapter 2, he says, My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart, unto, uh, apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge uh, and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He says, he that keepeth the paths of judgment, uh, he, he keepeth the paths of judgment and preserveth the way of his saints. Then shalt thou understand righteousness and judgment and equity, yea, every good path. When wisdom entereth into into thine heart, and knowledge is pleasant unto thy eyes, discretion shall preserve thee. Understanding shall keep thee. To deliver thee from the way of the evil man, from the man that speaketh froward things, who leave the paths of uprightness to walk 
in the ways of darkness, who rejoice to do evil and delight in the frowardness of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and they froward in their paths, to deliver thee from the strange woman, even from the stranger which flattereth with her words, which forsaketh the guide of her youth and forgetteth the covenant of her God. For her house inclineth unto death, and her paths unto the dead. None that go, in und- that go unto her return again. Neither take they hold on the paths of life. That, they mayest walk, that thou mayest walk in the way of good men. And keep the paths of uprightness. For the upright shall dwell in the land, and the perfect shall remain in it. But the wicked shall be cut off from the earth, and the transgressors shall be rooted out of it. See, the Bible tells us that God wants us to know wisdom and understanding, to learn wisdom and understanding. And as we learn wisdom and understanding, it'll help us to discern which way we ought to go. Because the way we go, the decisions we make, the things we choose to do in our lives, it's going to have an effect on the outcome of our life. You know, choices choices are, are very important. You are a product of the choices that you have made. And the choices that you are making today are setting you up for the person that you're going to be one day. And I hope that your choices will be choices to please God and not to seek to satisfy the lust of the flesh. Those desires to do those things that God has not provided or those things that God has prohibited. Secondly, we see the lust of the uh, we see the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, is the desire to have those things that God, that God has, has prohibited. You know, things are not wrong, but when things have you, it's wrong. God blesses us and, and, and he, he pours out blessings, but his blessings are not always material. You've got these preachers that, that talk about, hey, you go to church and you love the Lord and, and, you, and if you give, you give, a, 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 you give a, a, an offering in the offering plate, uh, God's going to bless you. God's going to bless you with wealth. No, that's, that's a lie. God doesn't promise to bless you dollar for dollar. He doesn't promise to, to, to bless you uh, in just, he doesn't promise uh, to bless you financially just because you're faithful. If, if he promised that, then he's lied to a lot of people uh, who, have been, who have lived faithfully throughout the world, throughout history. Paul, one of the, uh, one of the greatest Christians to ever live, he said, I know how to, do, how to be without. He said, I know how to suffer hunger. Did God forget about him? Did God fail him? No. He was, he was, uh, uh, Paul spent time out in the deep shipwrecked, holding on to, to pieces of the ship. Did God forget about him? No. He knew exactly what was going on in Paul's life. Paul also knew that when he is weak, God's strong. In Paul's weakness, God is glorified. In those situations where where God allows things to come along in our lives, 
God knows that he's, he knows what he's doing. Because he's wanting to work in the situations of our life, even, even times when we don't have everything that we want to have. Sometimes we, we begin to look around and, and we begin to see things that other people have. And we begin to get discouraged. We begin to, we begin to, to question if, if God has forgotten about us, if God has forsaken us. And, and we need to understand that He is, he is with us. He, he will never leave you nor forsake you. He's, he's, not, he's not forgotten about you. And, and just because you don't have everything you want doesn't mean that you, ha- that you don't have everything you need. And when we reach the point where we realize that Christ is enough, then we'll be at peace. We'll be satisfied. Jesus said, having food and raiment, be content. He didn't say, he didn't say having food and raiment and, and a house and a car and health care and a cell phone and, and free money. He didn't say that. He didn't say having, having a, good, a good job. He didn't say having, uh, having, all the, uh, the, having the, latest, uh, the latest iPhone and, and the, the watch and, and everything. He didn't say all of that. You don't have to have all those things. Hey, they, they might make life a little easier, we think. But I think there's a reason why we call the days before all this technology and all this you know, advancement, uh, we call it the simple life. Things were simpler back then. Now, simple is not necessarily easy. It's definitely more complicated. I'm grateful that I can go to the store and get a jug of milk and, you know, pick up a, a, a pound of butter. I don't have to go out there and, you know, milk the cow. I'm glad somebody hooks up the, hooks up the machine to the cow and gets the milk. I'm glad they've got machines that will do all that churning. I'm glad I don't have to, you know, churn that butter, you know. Just to get something to put on my toast. I've... Made needing that. I'm glad I don't have to do all that. It was a simple life. It wasn't necessarily easy. But today we've got all these things that makes life easy. But we're busier than we've ever been. Giving ourselves, you know, spending us, spreading ourselves so thin. Just so we can try to keep up with everybody around us. With the toys and the, and the gadgets and, and this and that. Hey, and I, I, know, I know some, you know, you're, you're not really interested in all those things. You're just, you're just trying, to, trying to make a living to, to keep your head above water. But sometimes in your heart you get a little covetous of what others have. And the Bible says covetousness is idolatry. It's lust of the eyes. Desiring to have. You see, when we're covetous, when we're, when, we're giving, when we're giving in to the lust of the eyes, that desire to have, what we're saying is, God, you failed. You're not good enough. And what you provide for me, it's, it's not sufficient. And you know what it tells the world? Your God's weak. Your God's not this all-powerful God that you say he is. Your Bible must be full of errors because it says that God's powerful and that he's enough. 
But you know what we you know what I believe we need to do? We need to we need to remember where he brought us from. We need to see where he's taking us to. And we need to we need to get our worldview, we need to get our, our eyes cleared out of all the of all the the things of this world that have gotten in and, and skewed our vision. So we need to get our worldview correct. The psalmist said, I looked around at the prosperity of the wicked. And I wonder, you know, why why does it not seem like there's any any uh, thing restraining them? They just go and do whatever they want, and they, they seem to abound with everything that they could desire. He says, I was envious at the wicked. He said, but then I considered their end. Then I considered their end. What is the end for the wicked? Hell. The lake of fire. They're going to suffer for all eternity. And so we want, to, we want to do everything we can to reach them with the gospel. But you know, if, if they're just not going to believe, I pray that they have prosperity in this life. I pray that they have it easy in this life. Because once this life is over, it is miserable for them for eternity. We shouldn't wish ill on anybody. I, I so desire for everybody to be saved. But I, hey, I'd, I'd rather go through this life without two, two nickels to rub together and go to heaven than to have everything this world has to offer and suffer separated from God for eternity. He said, till I considered their end. Hey, don't, be, don't be envious of the wicked. Don't be envious of the things of this world. The things, hey, God, the Bible, the Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain. We need to learn to be content with the things that we have. He says in Lamentation chapter 3, he says, mine eye affected mine heart. When I'm looking around at the things around me, the, the things that this world has to offer... If I'm not careful, I'll let it draw me away from God. I'll begin to desire to do. I'll begin to desire to have. Then there's the, the pride of life. The desire to be. To exalt myself. You know why we get our feathers ruffled when somebody cuts us off in traffic? Because how dare they do that to me? But you think nothing about cutting somebody else off in traffic, do we? Well, I've got somewhere I've got to go. I'm, on my, I'm running a little bit late for work. I just, I, you know. It's all about us, right? Pride. If somebody doesn't answer us the way that we think we ought to be answered, oh, they're talking to me that way? Yeah. We're lifted up in pride. The Bible, the Bible says, God resisteth the proud. Hey, I don't know about you, but I need God in my life. Not just for salvation. 
I need his fellowship. I need his guidance. I need his wisdom. I need his direction uh, to, keep me, uh, to keep me from falling prey to the, to the enemy who's walking about seeking whom he may devour. I need, I need his wisdom to help me to, to make right choices in my life. I need his provision. I need his blessings. And so I want to live in a way that's, that's uh, pleasing to him. I don't need to live in a way to where when, to, so that I'm prideful. And, and when I ask, you know, when I come to him praying, you know, I get the stiff arm. God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, the Bible says. The Bible tells us to, to not think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, but to think soberly, according to, as God has dealt to every man a measure of faith. And we're to, and we're to by love, serve one another. We're to esteem other as better than ourselves. So when there's one more donut out there, well, gl glad that they left that one because I, I wanted a donut, you know. And you, if there's a last donut out there, you're welcome to it by all means. Somebody's got to eat it, and I don't need it. But here's the thing: we shouldn't want it so much that. We, we want to have it, even if somebody else has to go without it. Setting ourselves up is better. You know, the, uh, we, we, shouldn't have the, we shouldn't have the attitude, we shouldn't have the attitude of, of uh, guys, hey, I'll, I'll come in and I'll, I'll come in from work and I'll play with the kids and keep them out of my wife's way so she can clean the bathroom and she can do the dishes and she can vacuum the floor. You know, I'll keep them out of her way so she can do all those things. Now, maybe, maybe, we need to, maybe we need to play with them a little bit so she can do something, but then give her an opportunity to play with them so we can go clean the bathroom. You know, the vacuum cleaner fits your hand too. The broom fits your hand too. You're, you're not going to melt if you get dishwater on you. Right? And, and that toilet brush in that toilet that you have made a mess of, you can clean that too. And we're like, that's housework. Yeah. You live there. Doing laundry, not, I'll tell you, I'm guilty so much of, of, of helping with laundry. I'll, I'll wash it, I'll dry it. And I'll pile it. And there will be Mount Londaria to be folded. Oh, I got it clean. I helped. I did. But you know what Kenzie's least favorite thing to do? Fold laundry. And put it away. But does she want it folded and put away? Absolutely. So I need to be better at getting in there and helping fold and put away laundry. God blessed us with three boys, and you know, children are, children are there to do the chores, right? That's what they think, anyway. Uh, you know, but, hey, but we have our boys to help with chores to help them understand they're not above doing any of these jobs. But as dad, I shouldn't look at it like, hey, the boys can do that because I've got more important things to do. You know, Levi's. Uh, Levi's uh, 
for all intents and purposes, really, he's, he's a grown man now. He's got a few, a few little rough areas that I'm working on him about. Pray for me, right? No, I'm just kidding. He, I, I appreciate his heart. I appreciate the things that he's doing in service for the Lord. But he's still in my home. I'm still responsible to, to help him to, to become the man that God wants him to be. I, should, I, I shouldn't look at what I do as more important than what he does. With Noah and Luke either. We are a team working together to accomplish a goal. And we need to be a team working together, each esteeming other as better than themselves, seeking to serve one another in love. Not a, I, I, know that, I know that as dad, they, they, need to, they need to respect dad. The Bible says, honor thy father and thy mother. I need to continue to teach them to do that. But I shouldn't have the attitude you respect me because I am me. Right? Especially as they, as they grow into adulthood, I need to have proven myself respectable. They should respect just because the Bible commands it, but I should, I should make it easy on them by being respectable in my actions, my attitude, my service, my responses. Yesterday, I had a conversation with one of my boys, and I responded wrong. I needed to go back to him, and, and I did, and apologize for responding in a wrong way. Were my motives, my intentions right? Yes. But how I, how I did it wasn't the best. Pride gets in. Pride affects every one of us. And we need, to, we need to resist that. We need to not give in to that desire to be. When we're lifted up in pride, we put ourselves in a position where God is not going to use us and He's not going to bless us. Ephesians 4 goes through and, and tells us so many things that a child of God ought to reflect in their lives, a way that we ought to be living. And then it shows us some things that we should not be doing. And, and he, he, he tells us here in, in Ephesians chapter 4, he says, I say this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greedy, greediness. That, that lifestyle is all about self. It's about pleasing self, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Notice what it says in verse 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. If you're a child of God, if you call yourself a Christian, you have not learned from Christ to live a self-centered life. We need to follow his example. It comes on down and it says... Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Verse 32, and be ye kind one to another. Do we need to have the invitation right here? 
Be ye kind one to another. A command of God. Tender hearted. How about that? Are we, are we squirming a little bit in our seats now? Tender hearted. Hey, we have such a tendency to be hard hearted toward one another. Uh, forgiving one another. Even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That means bury the hatchet and don't leave the handle sticking out. You, you, don't, you don't leave, you don't hold on to things to bring it up in the next conversation, the next argument to, to be able to use it, use it on somebody. No, 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 no. We want to forgive and follow the example of Christ by forgiving completely. I know as human beings it's hard for us to forget when somebody has done wrong against us. But by the grace of God, we can, we can, we can move past that. And we can discipline ourselves not to, uh, not to react and not to bring those things up and not to hold that over their head when we've forgiven them for it. And we can trust in the Lord to give us grace and to give us strength to get past that. To leave the past in the past and move forward for the glory of God. Our desires. We need to, we need to be careful to, to reflect Christ in the things that we desire. The Bible says, delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Prosperity preachers, they say, they say, if you love Jesus, he's going to give you everything you want. That's kind of summing up their lies. Because, because they talk about what you want is a Bentley and a Rolex and all those, you know, the big house on the hill and, and a Tesla, whatever. What that verse really means is you delight in the Lord. You draw close to him and, and you just fall in love with Jesus so much. You know what's going to happen? He's going to give you the right desires to have. He's going to help you to desire the right things. And when you desire the right things, you ask Him for those right things. And guess what? He's going to give you those right things. He's going to not only give you the desires to have, but He's going to give you what you desire. Those right things. If you delight yourself in the Lord. See, our worldview is affected by our love. Our love is affected by our worldview. But so is our desire. And the world has so much to offer you. But we need not to desire what the world has to offer. See, the way we, the way we view things is going to affect our lives in so many ways. Lastly, it's affected by... Or, or, uh, our worldview will affect our future. It affects our future. The Bible says, "In the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever." Of course, the will of God for everybody is that you be saved, that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If someone has a, has, has a, a very self-centered worldview, then, then they're, they're going to be blinded to the reality of God. They're going to be blinded to the reality of the truth of the Word of God. The Bible tells us that, the Bible tells us that God, gave, God gave Himself, Jesus gave Himself to be the sacrifice for our sins. And when we recognize that that's... That is, that is the case with us. We are, we are sinners in need of a Savior. And we come to Him and trust Him as our Lord and Savior. He gives us eternal life. But this, this word ab abideth, 
It's speaking, it's speaking of an abiding relationship, an abiding fellowship. If you are doing the will of God, you are forever abiding with Jesus Christ. You're in fellowship with Him. If, if, you are, uh, if, if, if you're seeking after the things of the world, the Bible says that's going to pass away. Those things are going to go by the wayside. Things are going to come and go. I, I just, just look at fads. How many different styles have, have passed through you know, in our lifetime? I'm excited to see some things that are coming back from my childhood, right? And, and they're, they're coming. I like that. There's some things I just, they just need to stay in the past, right? Parachute pants and fanny packs. They, stay away. Some of those are coming back, I hear, but, you know, oh well. What you going to do? The world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We need to have this right worldview because, and, and to see things through God's perspective. We need to view situations in life through the, through the lens of the word of God uh, as a believer. Because the Bible says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. When, when, I speak of our, when I'm speaking of our future, I'm talking about, hey, we need to live in light of eternity. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. We are pilgrims and strangers on, on a journey uh, just passing through this life. And one day, this life will be over and will be in eternity. This life is so very temporary. Why give ourselves for things that are going to pass away? But why don't we, instead of living our lives and giving ourselves for things that are going to pass away, why don't we give ourselves for things that are eternal? For things that have, have eternal value. Our old man, our, the, old, the old man, he's crucified. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth, from, that's from now on, we don't have to serve sin. Serving sin is only going to try to satisfy self. And, and, you're, and, and truly, as we serve sin, we're, we're never truly satisfying self. We're seeking for more and seeking for more. And, and there's more and more and more that we're trying to, to fill the void in our life. But we'll never be truly satisfied without Christ. We might seek after the things that the world has to offer uh, and, and feel like that, feel like that you know, it's just, we're just doomed to defeat. But the Bible says, Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God has, has given you, uh, God has given us the armor of God to, to fight the battle against the enemy. He's given us, uh, he's given us the, the, the spirit of God that indwells us, that guides us and directs us and speaks to our heart, convicts us of sin, of righteousness and of judgment. And he's given us the word of God as a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And he's given us an open door to escape when temptation comes. You don't have to fail. You don't have to give in to sin. If our worldview is, is not a, world, a biblical worldview, we, we may see, hey, this life is all there is, and, and so I might as well eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. 
There's more to life than this life. The Bible tells us that the Bible tells us we live this life. And when this life is over, we go to one of two places. We either go to heaven or hell. And that's determined by what you chose to do with Jesus. If you trust him as your Lord and Savior. But if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, God wants us to, God wants us to reach out into this world with his message, uh, shining his light, letting his light so shine through us, letting his power be seen as it's transformed our lives and his message come off of our lips as we go and tell people the good news of the gospel. Because one day, one day when all of this is over, when this world is, is, is dissolved as the Bible speaks of, John said, I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it whose face, uh, who, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and was, there was found no place for them. One day all of this is going to be over. One, of day, one, day, one day this... Uh, the, the cars and the houses and the, and the computers and the, and the toys and the gadgets, the clothes, all of those things that we, that we stress ourselves out and run ourselves ragged and, and spread ourselves so thin to get all these things, it's going to pass away. Even this planet, this, this rock on which we live, it's going to flee away. Someone said, one life to live will soon be passed and only what's done for Christ will last. I want to live my life not for the things of this world. I want to give myself for the cause of Christ and not, and not to satisfy self. I don't want to seek to build a kingdom for Philip Jones. But I want to exalt that name that is above every name. So that at his name... Knees will bow and tongues will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want to live my life to see how many will do that this side of eternity. One day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. But for many of them it will be too late. So our, our worldview needs to be shaped, needs to be shaped by our love for God and for others. Our worldview needs to be shaped by our desire for things above, not for things of this earth. And our worldview needs to be shaped by our understanding of our future. What the Bible teaches is going to happen in the days ahead. Hey, it, 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 today, today, before the service is over, Jesus Christ could come back. But I want to live my life. If he doesn't come back in the next few minutes, every breath he gives me, I want to live my life in such a way that it glorifies God and points others to him. Because after this life is eternity and it's time without end. And people, those people that you come in contact with every day, the people that you work with, the people that you live next door to and the people that you, that you pass as you're, as you're pushing, your, pushing your buggy through the, through the grocery store. Hey, those people are going to live for, forever. So, they're going to be forever somewhere. Either in heaven or in hell. Second Peter says, I'm, says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward. 
not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Hey, we don't know when he's going to come. We don't know when all, the, all this is going to happen. But we know that it could happen any time. When, when Jesus Christ is going to come back and take us out of here. And that will set in, in motion the, uh, the, the clock will, will, will begin uh, for that, that uh, period of time that we know from the Bible as the, as the tribulation. And then, and then Jesus Christ will come back to this earth and set up his kingdom for a thousand years at the end of that seven years of tribulation. And after that thousand years are over, the Bible says Satan will be loose for a little season and he'll deceive, he'll deceive people around the world. And at a time when you and I don't know, no, none of us know it, what, when that's going to happen, Satan is going, to call, is going to bring all the armies of the world against God one more time. And this earth is going to be destroyed. It sounds like some kind of sci-fi. Where do you think they get all their ideas? Now this talk of apocalypse and all of that kind of stuff. Hey, that, a lot of that is fabricated, but the, but the fact is there are, there are going to be Wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be earthquakes in diverse places. And one day, this, this whole thing is going to be destroyed. So why would, why, would we, why would we live temporarily, give ourselves so passionately for things that, in the, in the whole scheme of things, don't really matter? It doesn't really matter. See, God... God wants everybody to be saved. He says the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. It's all going to be burned. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? How ought we to live in light of eternity? What, what should our worldview be? How should we view the things of this world, the situations of life? Understanding that it's all going to pass away. All of these temporal things are going to pass away. Do we just hang our head and say, well, I'll just... Hold on till Jesus comes because the devil's in control and everybody's, and everybody's going to hell in a handbasket. No. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let your light so shine before men. As the Bible tells us, Hey, we need, to, we need to be spreading the gospel. We need to be letting Jesus be seen in us. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Hey, Satan's going to come against you. Uh, he's, he's walking about seeking whom he may devour. But the Bible says, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians, for uh, I'm sorry, in the book of Romans says, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Nothing's going to separate us from the love of Christ. 
Nothing's going to take us away, take us out of his family. You are a child of God. You are a, you are a child. You are a servant of the, of, the, of the Most High God. Victory is ours. We are more than conquerors. We don't have to live a defeated life. We don't have to go through life discouraged and, and feeling defeated because, because the enemy is, is uh, seeming to win many of these battles around us. The Bible tells us things are going to happen like that. But it's not over. It's not over. Our redemption draweth nigh. Jesus is coming. Let's, let's be faithful. Let's be found serving. Let's be found standing. Jesus said, when I return, shall I find faith in the earth? Hey, let's say from cross point, you're going to find faith. And let's stay looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. See, as the Bible speaks of, of, of our, our life that we're living, while there, while there are many things that the Bible speaks of living this physical life, the Bible helps us to understand that there's more to life than just what we can see with our eyes. There's a spiritual realm, and, and that spiritual realm is at work all around us. And that is the way we need to see the world. We need to see the world through lens, the lens of Scripture that says, Hey, there's an enemy that's, a, that's afoot. There's a power that's at work leading men astray, keeping people blinded. But we have the light. We have, we have a salvation. We have Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. And we should live our lives to exalt Him and point others to the cross we're soldiers of the cross we're followers of the lamb we should be we should be faithful to follow our commander-in-chief taking up a, a taking up the armor of God and taking the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit and pressing forward and enduring hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ sadly many of us have not had a proper worldview, perhaps. We've sought after the things of this world, seeking to satisfy ourselves and to please ourselves. We've not given God that place of preeminence that He deserves. And we've, we've sought after things to please us. And we've, we've sought after the, the lust of the flesh, desiring to do those things that satisfies my flesh. We've sought after the lust of the eyes, wanting to have things to satisfy my eyes so I can look and see all the things that I, I have. We've sought to satisfy the pride of life and, and to be exalted and to be something in everybody's eyes. Popularity, power, position. In eternity, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter what position you held in the hierarchy among all your friends or whatever it is. You know, silliness. What's going to matter is what did you do for Christ? How did you live for God? 
knowing that we are, as the songwriter said, prone to wonder. Knowing how in this flesh we, we have such a tendency to seek after things that pleases us. I want to encourage you to let this prayer be yours today. Search me, O oh God, and know my heart. Try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within. Renew a right spirit within me. I want, to, I want, to, I want my heart to be set on things above, not on things of the earth. I want my desires to be things that, that pleases and honors God. I want to look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith. I want to live my life with a biblical worldview. Understanding the battle that's around me is very real and it's not against human beings, but it's against a spiritual enemy. And so I need to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I need to do my part. And I'll only do it if I have a biblical worldview. If I see things the way God would have me to see them. Where's your love this morning? What things do you desire? In light of eternity, let me encourage you to set your affection on things above and to live each day in love with Jesus Christ, seeking to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, I, I just, I'm so grateful for all that you've done for us. And I, I, want, to, I want to honor you. I, I'm weak. I, I fail so often. But Lord, you are strong. And you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Lord, I pray that, I pray that today we'll, we'll submit ourselves to you to have spiritual eye surgery. To get our focus right. To get our perspective right. To help us to see the events of this world, the circumstances around us the way that you do. Help us, Lord, to see, uh, to see the, the battle that's going on around us and realize that we are in a spiritual warfare. And we need not let down our weapons. Help us to see the people around us not as enemies and not as obstacles. But Lord, help us to see them as souls for whom you died. And help us to seek to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray today that our eyes will be fixed. Our vision will be clear. And that our worldview will be biblical. And that we'll honor you from here on. For all that you do, we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.